Taking the pulse of the city. The Capital Letter on Newstalk ZB. It's that time of the week again. We do the Capital Letter with New Zealand Herald Wellington's Issues reporter, Georgina Campbell. Good morning, George. Good morning, Nick. It's that time of the week that you always look forward to. Uh, I'm putting words in your mouth here. An upgrade to the maternity services in Hub Valley has been paused after the hospital's building has been found to be earthquake prone. When are you going to run out of stories to do about earthquake prone buildings? You're going to have a full time job. I know. I couldn't believe it yesterday when that news was revealed um, that the main building at Hutt Hospital was deemed earthquake prone. I feel like every building at the moment seems to be earthquake prone. But um, I know that you've been talking about this um, this morning with your listeners. But I did just want to point out, um, you know, that the, the government announced a $9.47 million investment to improve maternity care um, in the Hutt Valley. And the second phase of that project is actually located in the Hiratonga block, which has been deemed earthquake prone. $2 million has already been spent on that part of the upgrade. Um, so obviously, um, you know, the, the, the pause button has been hit for that project because now... The DHB is, you know, talking about, you know, moving services and patients out of the building. Yeah, I think it's going to be a major shake-up. I think this is an opportunity for Health New Zealand to actually, you know, it's only six weeks away, isn't it, before that whole thing changes over. So I think there could be a major shake-up there. That's my personal thoughts. But uh, what are you hearing? What What are you writing about? Well, I think it will be interesting because I guess some of the the fear that comes with Health New Zealand is this narrative of centralisation. And this is almost sort of like a a test um, about the the commitment, I suppose, to still service local communities. Um, You know, and I I think the government has been quite clear, uh, local MP uh, Ginny Anderson and also the Health Minister, um, you know, Andrew Little have both said that the government is very committed to um, the delivery of hospital services in the Hutt Valley. Um, so I think, uh, you know, we, hopefully we will see those services retained. But the fear is, is that, you know, they might go elsewhere in, in the region. It's certainly near Campbellberry's fear. Yeah, well, 156,000 people in the Hutt Valley, and then you add the 50,000 in the Porirua Basin. I mean, that's 206,000 people. That's a you know a huge population not to have a general ward hospital in your backyard. But I feel strongly that you know that this could be something new and a signal of something else changing. And neither of those people that you just mentioned, Andrew Little or Ginny Anderson, actually promised that a hospital would be rebuilt there. They didn't actually come out and promise. And that was a concern to me. Yes, yes. And it will be interesting to sort of see um, what's said further down the line. Obviously, they're still working through this engineering information, um, a plan to move people. Um, It is a bit messy with House New Zealand taking over in six weeks. Like, there are a lot of moving parts, let alone, I guess, the you know, the, the stories that we're already aware of, of maternity care issues in, in the Hutt Valley. So, yeah. yeah, there's a lot to deal with. Well, we'll be uh, we'll be scanning the New Zealand Herald for your next report on it, George. Um, George, despite the the roller coaster of a year Wellington Airport's had with, with COVID and everything that's going on, the latest financial uh, results show 
what I would say is a tiny profit. I mean, I, th- I think it was around the three million. It wasn't significant, but it probably was uh, significant for them to be in the profit, not the losses. Yeah, exactly. So so the latest financial results really paint a picture of recovery for the airport and they have made a return to profit. It was $3 million, you're right, but this compares with um, the last financial results for the year ended March 31, 2021. They made a net loss after taxation of $35.7 million. Whoa. So quite a big turnaround when you compare the two years. Um, And I think, you know, that's good news for the airport. It hasn't been an an easy year for them. You know, they started um, recovering from COVID and then we had the nationwide lockdown in the middle of the year. They started recovering from that and then Omicron came um, and then people were hesitant to travel again. So I think they're sort of looking towards the future now with borders reopening um, to kind of build on the recovery that they've made in the last year. I had a bit to do with Matt Clark, the new CEO, in his previous um, role as commercial manager of the airport. He's a very young go-getter, determined, um, young sort of, I don't know, right person, right time, right place, I think. So I think uh, look forward to, to better things happening. I'm interested as well to see sort of what, what sort of stamp he's going to make um, on the role as Chief Executive of Wellington Airport. It was certainly interesting to see that they dropped the judicial review action, for example, against the Cobham Drive crossing last week. Um, you know, so so it'll be interesting to see um, what decisions he makes and the approach he takes in terms of the airport's relationship, um, you know, with the likes of Wellington City Council and, and in relation to Let's Get Wellington Moving. Yeah, I think he'll be all about the money in, a, in the nicest possible way. I think he's a businessman, you know. So I think it'll be uh, it'll be a money. He'll be a money CEO, not a, a visionary. I'm not. I don't want to say that in the wrong way. You know what I mean? He'll he'll make decisions based on what profit he can get back. My, my humble opinion. Victoria University students have won their fight against paying two dollars to do a load of washing on top of what's already horrendously. I'm going to put that word horrendously expensive accommodation fees. Tell us that story, George. Yeah, I love the story. The students have won. They don't have to pay $2 to do a load of washing anymore, which I personally thought was ridiculous. They pay so much money to live at these halls of residence. This is at Victoria University. Um, You know, like one student gave the example of he pays $480 a week to live at Tapuni Village, which is a lot. And I think for students, they really felt like it was a slap in the face to then have to pay $2 to do a load um, of washing and then another $2 to dry So they've lobbied um, the university, they've done a petition and the university has agreed that this is an essential service and they are pleased to announce that charges on washing machines and dryers will be removed across um, university-owned and managed halls of residence and this is starting in uh, trimester two. George, I can't believe that someone has to pay $480 a week for crap food, crap accommodation. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I, I'm, that's a slight, uh, you know, I know that from, from people that I've had association with, I've never enjoyed the food. George, it's always a pleasure. Thanks very much for keeping us up to date. Everybody out there that wants to keep up with what's happening, uh, always look up uh, the New Zealand Herald. Wellington's Issues reporter Georgina Campbell. She's always the first person on the trail of a good story around our, our city.